How many of y'all? Yeah, of course, it's got to be me, you know. If I'm up here, there's got to be a whiteboard somewhere. How many remember back in school? Now, for some of us, that's a long time ago. For others, especially the younger generation, I don't know if this is true or not, but when I went through school, especially in the basic math classes, algebra, geometry, all that stuff, when you had to give an answer for a homework or a test or something, you always had to show your work. You couldn't just give the answer. I tried to give the answer a few times, and I would get the paper back, and my teacher would have a big red ink on there that says, show your work. Well, why? What was the whole purpose of that? Well, the, the teacher was not interested in knowing that you could give the answer. They wanted to know that you could get to the answer. There's a big difference between giving an answer and getting to the answer. Because they knew, your teacher knew that eventually, you know, if you went into engineering or if you went into some field where you had to use math, you couldn't just show up and try and give an answer. Where I went to college, I literally went to college with rocket scientists. They went to work for NASA and the Space Administration and all that. And these guys were, I mean, they took all kinds of math, but they had to show their work. Because in order to work for NASA, you got to show your work. You can't just show up and go, hey, I got the answer. Here you go. How do you, well, how do you get there? I don't know. Here's the answer. It doesn't work that way. I think a lot of times in the Christian life, and especially in Christianity today, we have, in a lot of ways, we're giving answers that we don't know how to get to, especially to those around us, to the world around us, to those at work and those who don't know Jesus. We want to give them an answer, but we don't want to show the work. Here's what I mean. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to every single problem in the world. That's a given. We all know that. If you've spent 20 minutes in the Bible, at some point you're going to figure out, oh, Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And a lot of times when we encounter people, we give them Jesus or we throw Jesus at them but we don't lead them to Jesus. It's like going to the, the, the teacher and, you know, 12 divided by 68 or 68 divided by whatever, and you give them the answer, well, show the word, I don't know how to get there. Jesus is the answer to your problem. Well, how is the answer? Well, you know, come to church with me, or here, read this book, or Jesus is just the answer. And we don't know how to lead them to Jesus. We can throw Jesus at them, but we don't know how to lead them to Jesus. And I think a lot of reasons we don't know how to lead them to Jesus is because we don't know how to lead ourselves to Jesus. And I'm not talking about just the gospel. I'm talking about our everyday, every common problem that goes on in our life. Everything in our life, the answer is rooted and grounded in Jesus. But as Christians, too often... We play Jesus on Sunday, but on Monday, we look for answers everywhere but Jesus. We look for answers in our own self-sufficiency. We look for answers from good friends. We look for answers from TV, Oprah, whatever. We look for answers everywhere but the source, Jesus. And we don't know how to work ourselves 
up into Jesus, and I don't mean necessarily emotionally, I mean literally, biblically, how do we get from where we are to Jesus? Because he's the answer. So because we don't know how to do it, because we don't know how to get to the answer ourselves, we have a hard time leading others to the answer. So tonight, what I want to do is I do want to share the fact that Jesus is the answer. Let's get to the answer right there. Jesus is the answer. But how do we get there? How do we lead somebody to Jesus instead of just throwing Jesus at someone? And that's what I want to talk about tonight. And tonight, I'm, my, there's no doubt in my mind that tonight there are several of us in here who have issues in your life right now. There's problems you're dealing with. There's circumstances going on, and they've been hanging around for years. They've been hanging around your life, and you just can't seem to get rid of them, or you can't find the answer. Man, I'm just going to declare over you tonight, you're going to be set free in Jesus' name. You're going to find an answer that you've been looking for. You know the answer is Jesus, you just don't know how. And that's what I want to show you tonight. I want to show you the work, if you will, of getting to the answer Jesus. Now, there are many roads to Jesus, but there's only one road through Jesus to God. Because a lot of circumstances in our lives will lead us to Jesus, but Jesus is the only way to the Father. And here's the thing we have to understand. God is sovereignly in control of all things. No matter how chaotic it looks outside, no matter how bad things are in our own personal lives, God is still in control. He is in control of the out-of-controlness. He is in control of the chaos. So despite our perspective of chaos, we always have to remember everything is centered and grounded in Jesus. That never changes. If we're looking only at our circumstances and our problems, we're going to get off center and we're going to drift back and forth if we're not understanding that the grounding, the center of everything is Jesus. And that's what we have to remember, that everything is rooted and grounded in Jesus. Now, if you've ever seen me teach before, you know, I can't teach without a whiteboard. So, and I'm a visual person. I've always been a visual person. So for me, I think in pictures. I don't just draw this stuff. I think like this. When I was preparing for this message, I'm just typing stuff out. I'm like, oh, I can't do that. So I break up my iPad and have to draw because I think in pictures. I think this way. So I'm not just making this stuff up. I actually think like this. Okay, so here's your bullseye. The bullseye, of course, is Jesus. That's where we want to get to. But there's other layers out here that we have to go through in order to get there. Now, on the outside of all this is life. It's just life. It's our stuff. It's our circumstances. Problems. And in Celebrate Recovery, we call them the hurts, habits, and hang-ups of life. Everybody has some sort of hurt, habit, and hang-up. If you are alive on earth, you've got hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Welcome to earth. So hurts, habits, and hang-ups. All right. So that's all that stuff. And this is what we tend to focus on right here. We know Jesus is the answer. We know that's where we need to get to. This is where we are. 
what's this? Where do we go to eventually get here? And those are the two circles I really want to focus on tonight. Here's the key to understanding how we get to Jesus. The key is understanding that everything in life is spiritual. There's no such thing as secular. Everything is spiritual. In the Western mindset, in the Western world, we want to create this false dichotomy of spiritual life, secular life. There's no such thing. Everything is spiritual. And that's why this division in our lives of our Sunday life versus our Monday life is a lie. It's false. Everything is spiritual. That's the first ring. That's the foundation of everything. Everything is spiritual. And I'm going to prove that to you. Because a lot of people, "Eh, well, you know, I know spiritual stuff. We talk about the Bible and Jesus, that's spiritual. But, you know, my my marriage is falling apart. How is that spiritual? Or I'm dealing with uh, an alcohol addiction. How is that spiritual? Well, let's look at this. In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, we read of the creation story. In theology, there's a term called ex nihilo. It means out of nothing. That means God created the physical world out of nothing, ex nihilo. Well, technically that is true because here's the spiritual side and here's the natural side. When I say natural, I mean the physical side. Yes, God created everything out of nothing in that there was no physical before God created it. But what there was before the physical was the spiritual. The spiritual has always existed because God is a spirit. And God has always existed. So if God has always existed and God is a spirit, then the spiritual side has always existed. So yes, God created everything out of nothing as far as he had no raw materials, but he had himself. So we have a principle here that everything goes from natural or from spiritual to natural. And that principle is something that carries over into our everyday life. So if you go through that list in Genesis of what God created, of course, he created the earth, created light, the sky, dry land, and this is just going right down Genesis 1, vegetation, sun, moon, and stars, fish, animals, and then man. There's your creation list in Genesis 1. But the reality is, in every one of these things, it says, and God said, let there be light. And God said, all the way through. So everything went from spiritual to natural. It is a kingdom principle that everything in this physical has a spiritual foundation. This is the root. This side is the fruit. So whatever is produced or whatever fruit you see in the natural 
has a spiritual root. So if you've got a problem in the natural, you have a problem in the spiritual. Now, using a tree analogy, and I've used this before, if you go down to Lowe's and buy a tree, and on the tree label it says orange tree, that's what you're looking for. I want an orange tree. So I go plant it in my backyard and let it grow. Two years later, all of a sudden it starts popping out apples. Whoa. I thought this was an orange tree. Obviously, there's something wrong. Let me knock off, I'll just take off all the apples, and next year it'll come back as an orange tree. Is that going to happen? No. Why? An apple tree cannot produce oranges. Now, what you could do is you can go hang oranges on the tree and call it an orange tree and make everybody think, hey, look, i got an orange tree. But what are you not going to do? You're not going to let any of them go after the fruit. Or you could paint the apples orange to make it look like an orange tree. But again, you're not going to let anybody test the fruit because you know it's an apple. The only way to change that apple tree into an orange tree is to uproot it and replace it with an orange tree. If you have a problem in the natural and the only thing you do is go after the problem and never go after the root, it will never change. It may go away for a while, but guess what's coming back? Because everything is spiritual. So all our issues in life have a spiritual foundation. Our circumstances are spiritual. Life is spiritual. Our problems are spiritual. Our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, they're all spiritual. So if you want to get to Jesus, you've got to understand that everything's spiritual. If you're not willing to understand and believe everything's spiritual, it's, it's over. You can't get to Jesus. Because Jesus is all about changing us spiritually first. That's why Jesus said... The natural man or the man born of, of, of water is born once, but the man born of the Spirit is born twice. And in the world we live in, if you're only born of the natural, you're in big trouble. Jesus didn't come to change us physically. He came to change us spiritually. The problem wasn't a physical one. It was a spiritual one. When God told Adam and Eve, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, you will surely die, he didn't, he didn't mean initially physically. He wasn't talking about physical death. He was talking about spiritual death. And why did they die physically? Because they had already died spiritually. And the natural outcome of a change in the spirit is a change in the natural. Death in the natural was just the natural process of the natural catching up to the spiritual. It's always spiritual to natural. So every circumstance, every problem in life is spiritual. So with that understanding, we have to understand what is the problem in the spirit because 99% of Christians focus on these, the circumstances. Here's my problem. This is my problem. If I will just get rid of this problem, everything will be fine. That was my attitude when I was dealing with pornography. If I can just get rid of the porn, I'll be fine. Nope, because porn was not my problem. It was a manifestation or the fruit of the problem, but the root of the problem was much deeper. 
And until I allowed Jesus to get in there and start working on the root, the fruit ain't going nowhere. And this is why most people live their lives in a cycle. They just go round and round chasing what I call symptoms. They're not the real problem. They're just symptoms. Like for me, I would, I would stop porn for a while, but when that went away, something else would show up, like anger or bitterness or resentment, and then eventually porn came back again. I just lived my life in this cycle. I just couldn't get out of it because I didn't know what I was doing because I was ignoring the spiritual. And this is where most Christians live. They just, it's over and over. Here we go. Round and round she goes. Where she stops, nobody knows. And we just can't get off this cycle because we don't understand that everything is spiritual. Now, understanding that everything is spiritual, we need to go to the next level. What's the next level? In the spirit realm, we have absolutely no authority. The Bible says that the natural man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We, because of sin, have no authority in the spiritual realm. And that's the number one problem we all have. It's not our circumstances. It's sin. This is the real problem. This is why these, there's a myriad of these, there's only one of this. Sin is the root of all problems. If it weren't for sin, we wouldn't have any problems. Adam and Eve were fine until sin came in. Once sin came in, it was over, (laughs) and everything just fell apart. All these are just symptoms or fruit of the real problem, which is sin. This is the problem in your life. It's the problem in my life. It's the problem in everyone's life. This is just the symptom of the problem. If I've got pneumonia, I may be coughing, but coughing is not my problem. Pneumonia is my problem. If I only take some cough medicine to get rid of the cough, that's great, but I still got pneumonia. I need to get rid of pneumonia. We need to get rid of sin. We need something that will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves because we don't have any power over sin. Thus, Jesus So what is it in this next ring that gives us power or authority in the spiritual realm? Well, number one is the gospel. We have to understand what the gospel does for us. The gospel is not just a ticket to get to heaven. I was talking to a guy this morning about the gospel. A lot of people look at the gospel as, I get to go to heaven one day. Well, yeah, you do. But we need to be very careful that we do not reduce the gospel to a residency program. Here's what I mean by that. When I was in seminary, I knew a couple that were married. She was from Germany. He was from the United States. He was in the military. They got married in Germany, and they came over here, went to seminary. Everything on the surface appeared normal. Well, all of a sudden, out of the blue, what appeared to be out of the blue, they got divorced. Like, what? You know, how did that happen? Well, come to find out later on, all things finally came out. What we figured out was once they had been married three years, that apparently three years is the magical number for INS, that once you're married for three years, even if you get divorced, you still hold on to your residency. She was not interested in a relationship. She was interested in residency. 
So once she got her residency, she let go of the relationship. Here's the thing about the gospel. The gospel is a relational desire of God's heart. It is not a residency program. And a lot of people look at the gospel as a residency program. I get to go to heaven one day, but I'm not interested in a relationship with Jesus. Sorry, that doesn't work. And you're going to be very surprised when you get to the gates because there is no three-year limit. You cannot fool God into your residency into the kingdom. The only fool that's being fooled is you. The gospel is not a residency program. It is a, it is a reaching down from heaven through Jesus to restore a relationship. That's what the gospel is all about. It's about relationship. Not next week, not next month, not 20 years from now, not when you die, today. This is what the gospel is all about. So we have to understand the gospel. The other aspect that gives us power in the spiritual realm is the Bible. Without this, we have no power over this. The gospel breaks the penalty of sin. The Bible helps us overcome the power of sin. And we need both. We need both of these. So let me look at the gospel real quick. Let's take a quick in-depth look at the gospel and what the gospel does and why we need the gospel. Everybody is... Everybody has a body, a soul, and a spirit. In the middle is the spirit. The soul is comprised of the mind, the will, and the emotions. It's you. It's who you are. It's, it's your, as pastor would say, it's your, your thinker, your, your feeler, and your picker. Now, in the middle, everyone is born with a spiritually genetic disease the Bible calls sin. You're born on earth, you're born with sin. There's no escape from it. And here's what happens. Sin infects our soul. It infects the way we think, the way we feel, and the way we act. And that infection leads us to making bad decisions, and that's what we all see. That's the pornography. That's the drug addiction. That's the marriage problems. That's the anger, the bitterness, the rage, all that stuff. This is what we tend to focus on. But that's just a symptom. This is the fruit of the root, because sin is spiritual, it's not natural. And this is our real problem right here. Until we get rid of that sin core, we're toast. We have no hope. But the problem is, we can't get rid of that sin core. I can't get rid of it. We don't have the ability to get rid of that sin core. That's where the gospel comes in. Here's what the gospel does. Yeah, it gets you to heaven but it does something else that's even more important. Still have the body, the soul, and the spirit. The soul being the mind, the will, and the emotions. But the gospel offers what's called the great exchange. Jesus is willing to take out that sin core and replace it with his truth. What is that truth? If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Peter tells us that we are partakers 
of the divine nature. This is the truth that now becomes true about you. The second you say, I want Jesus to be my Lord, that sin core is taken out and it's replaced with truth. Everything that needs to be true about you for you to live the victorious Christian life is true about you in the gospel. It's not out there. It's not a change in your circumstances. It's Jesus. And it's already given to you by the gospel. So if you're sitting around waiting for something to happen, you know, until this thing goes whatever direction or until my circumstances change, I can't live the victorious Christian life. That's a lie of the enemy. The truth is you have everything in you right now through the power of Jesus Christ to live the victorious Christian life. You're not missing anything. So what's the problem? Well, then why do I have all this stuff going on in my life? Well, the sin core is taken out, but the infection is still there. If I go shake somebody's hand and they have the flu, and I touch my eye, I infect my body. I go to the bathroom, I wash the source of the infection off my hands, but I still got to deal with the infection in my body. The infection in our soul is still there, and it still leads us to making bad decisions. This is why Christians can still sin. Because our thoughts, our minds, our, our thoughts, our, our will, and our emotions are still infected by the remnant of that sin sickness. This is where the Bible comes in. The gospel puts everything we need in us to be victory, to have victory in our life. What we need now is something to overcome the remnant, that sin sickness that's still in here. Well, that's the Bible. It's what I call, what I call the prescription for life. Hebrews 4.12, James 1.21. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is living and active. If I had pneumonia, I would go to the doctor and, take, and get a prescription for antibiotics because I can't get rid of pneumonia on my own. I can drink all the chicken soup I want. That sucker ain't going nowhere. But I go to the doctor, he gives me this antibiotic. This little pill is chemically alive, so to speak, and it will do in me what I cannot do in myself. Now, unfortunately, tonight, I'd love to tell you I had a pill that gets rid of sin. Man, I'd be a multi-billionaire. But I can't do that because sin is spiritual, not physical. So we don't need something that's chemically alive. We need something that is spiritually alive. That's what this is. This is spiritually alive. The Word of God is living and active. And James tells us in James 1.21 that the implanted Word has the power to save your soul. Now, James is not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. So he's not just talking about salvation from hell. He's talking about the salvation from the power of sin over our lives. The gospel breaks the penalty of sin. The word gets rid of the power of sin so we can live according to the truth of who we become in him. 
but here's the problem. If I get a prescription from a doctor and I take it home and I let it sit on the table and don't take it, it ain't going to work. And I go back to the doctor three weeks later and say, man, this, this pneumonia is not going anywhere. Uh, you know, what you, what you gave me doesn't work. What's he going to ask? Are you taking your meds? Uh, well, no. Well, there's nothing I can do for you. Go take your meds. And here's the problem in the Christian life. We have a prescription for life that's sitting on the shelf, and we're not, we're not taking it. We're not taking it. We're letting it sit there, and we say, you know what? This thing doesn't work. But we're not taking our prescription. We're not. We're off our meds. You get off your meds, man, you don't know what's going to happen. You got to get on your meds. So how do you get on your meds? You know, if, if I'm going to take this prescription that the doctor gives me, what do I do? I eat it. I swallow it. I implant it in my body. James says the Im, implanted word has the power to save your soul. How do you implant the word of God? Well, I'm not going to rip the pages out and eat it. That's not going to do me any good. But I read it. And I listen to it. That's how you implant it. This is in a spiritual implantation, not a physical one. You want to impact your soul? Read and listen to the Word of God every single day. I recommend every single person needs to be on what I call a one-year reading plan. And there's a bazillion of them out there. Why do I recommend a one-year reading plan? For three reasons. Number one, it gives you what I call a baseline. When the doctor gives you a prescription, on the label it has what's called a baseline. You don't think of it this way, but that's what it is. Take one pill a day every day for six weeks. It's a baseline. I know if I'm not taking one pill a day every day for six weeks, this ain't going to work. It now becomes a baseline. A one-year plan, if you, man, if you've got a smartphone, get the Bible app, it has it on there, go to the bookstore here, Jeff Kelly's going to love me, go out and buy a one-year Bible. It tells you what to read every single day. It's 365. All you got to do is open that Bible, it says today read uh, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Matthew 1, Matthew 2, a Psalm and a Proverb. Bam! It's just that easy. So it gives you a baseline. So I know now, if I'm not reading the minimum one-year plan recommendation every day, and I'm below that baseline, I know I'm not getting enough word to overcome the power of sin in my life, so I cannot reasonably expect this stuff that's in my life to go away. I can try all I want. I can come up with all the self-help stuff I want. It ain't going to work. The only thing that works is Jesus. I don't have that power. If I did, I wouldn't need Jesus. So number one, it gives you a baseline. Number two, it gives you structure. If you've never read the Bible or you're not used to reading the Bible, this is a very daunting book. And if you just decide, you know what, I think I'm just going to start here. Oh, look, I'm going to start in Leviticus. Oh, I'm never going back. That's what happens. People get in, they go, whoa, so-and-so begot so, how, whoa, I begot this back on the shelf. <laughs> it gives you structure. It tells you what to read and when to read it. And all you're going to do is follow the plan. 
Just follow the plan. It's real simple. It gives you structure. And number three, it gets you through the Bible in a year, thus the title, One Year Bible. Not only do most Christians not read the Bible, they've never read the entire Bible at any time in their life. We must hear the entire counsel of God. Not just our favorite books, not just our favorite scriptures. We need to hear the entire counsel of God. Because this book, it's not, it, this is not a book of theology. There is theology in here. This is a book that tells us the story of God's pursuit of you and me. A.W. Tozer wrote The Pursuit of God. God himself wrote The Pursuit of Man. From Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Revelation 22, which we're getting to with Pastor, is the story of God pursuing us through Jesus in order to restore the relationship. That's what the Bible is all about. Yes, there's theology and doctrine in here, but that is not the focus of the Bible. The Bible is relational in nature. It tells us who God is. It tells us who we've become in Him and how together we can become one. That's what the Bible is all about. But a lot of people look at it as just a book of information. The goal of the Bible is not to inform you. It's to transform you. You can have all the information in the world you want, but if you're not allowing it to transform your life, it will do you no good. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, but they are that which speak of me, but you won't come to me. And it did them no good. So just because you know doctrine and theology doesn't necessarily mean you know Jesus. Believe me, I went to seminary, and I met a lot of people who knew doctrine and theology, but I guarantee you they did not know Jesus. And their lives were not transformed. And for a season, I was one of them. Because I knew a lot of doctrine and theology, but I was still dealing with pornography. So what if I can quote all the different theological dissertations on eschatology and soteriology and all the other ology? I've got pornographology going on in my life. Unless this is dealt with, who cares what I know? I don't know the power of Jesus. That's what it's all about. So we need the prescription for life. And, and, and I, cannot, I cannot emphasize this enough. Because the gospel and the Bible will always drive us to Jesus. If you can get somebody here, Jesus will take care of the rest. If you can get somebody to the gospel where they ask Jesus to be their Lord and get them in the Word, God will suck them in. It's, it's inevitable. I have yet to meet somebody who says, I'm in the Word every day and my life is a mess. I haven't found them yet. It's just the opposite. When people come to me and say, hey, my life's a mess, I ask, you, I ask them, well, how much time are you spending in the Word? Well, okay, that's your first step. I'd really like to ask him, are you on your meds? <laughs> Although I'm afraid of the answer. 
Here's the thing. We have to be on our meds. We've got to be in the Word. Because these two things will always drive us to Jesus. And Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. So here's how it works. Your circumstances, your problems, your life, your hurts, habits, and hang-ups are all rooted in the spiritual. And they are just an indicator of the real problem of sin. If you've got problems in your life, it's because you have sin in your life. It's just that simple. And we all have sin. I'm not here to say, oh, you've got sin. I'm sin-free. No. I, I have that sin sickness in me. We all have it. It's not a matter of you have it and I don't. We all have it. You're on earth. You've got sin sickness. Even if you're in the gospel, you have the remnants of that sin sickness in your soul that you don't have power over. But Jesus does. And he wants to give you the power over that sin sickness but you can't do it on your own. So we have to go from the spiritual realm into this realm of the gospel and the Bible. If we have accepted Jesus and we get in the Word, I guarantee you we will see Jesus not just drawing us in, but He's going to be shining out into all these problems. He's going to shine into my life. He's going to shine into my problems, my circumstances, my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And all of a sudden we're going to see things change in our lives that we've been trying to change on our own, we're going to go, how in the world did that happen? Jesus happened. I didn't get rid of pornography in my life. Jesus got rid of pornography in my life. And here's the thing. I know that this issue for me personally, that issue of pornography, if I get out of taking my meds every day, guess what's eventually going to come back? I'm telling you right now, this, uh, in Genesis 4, the Lord said to Cain, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Pornography is sitting at my door, man. It's just waiting for an opportunity to open that sucker. But I, I, I don't have any power to stop it, but Jesus does. And he's given me the power through the word. If I ever get out of this consistently, I'm not if I miss a day. I'm not talking about being legalistic. I mean being in this consistently over time. If I get out of this, this is going to get into me. And I'm toast. I'll just tell you that right now. There's no doubt in my I do not have power over this. This is what's keeping me away from pornography. Whatever problem is going on in your life, whatever circumstances is going on in your life, this will get it out of you and will keep it from you. Or it will keep you from it. It's one or the other. You cannot have both. Now, is there a transition period? Absolutely. There is a transition period. You know, if you're dealing with pornography, if you're dealing with pornography tonight and you start reading the Word tomorrow, I'm not saying it's going to be gone on Friday, but what I am saying is you're planting seeds that are going in and attacking it. It's just like that pill. If I've got pneumonia, I don't take one pill and it's gone. I take one pill every day, for every, every day consistently for six weeks. And I know by the end of the six weeks, that sucker's gone. I read the Word every day consistently over time, and I know that this problem, whatever it is, has no chance as long as I stay in this. Yeah. 
So how do we lead people to Jesus? We've got to understand that everything's spiritual. So when we're talking to somebody and they're talking to us about their problem, realize they're talking to us about the symptom, not the real problem. It's our responsibility to get them to the problem. The problem is sin. Now, we can argue all day long what is or is not a symptom. Don't get caught up in, here, and I'll just throw it out there. Okay, let's talk about homosexuality for a minute. Some will say it is not a sin. Some say it is. I'm not going to sit here and argue over a symptom. Is it a sin? Absolutely. But if somebody says to me, you know, I don't believe that's a sin. I think it's okay. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you make other bad decisions in your life that just really may cause problems in your life? Well, yeah, I sure do. Okay, let's talk about those. Because they lead to the same thing, sin. Amen. You don't want to talk about this one? Let's talk about this one. Oh, you're an alcoholic. Okay, let's talk about that. You want to be an alcoholic? No, I don't want to be an alcoholic. Well, let's talk about where the fruit of that. Well, that's because we got sin in our lives. We can call that one sin, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. We can call that sin. Great. It's a spiritual problem. Now let's talk about where the answer comes from. Well, that's Jesus. You want to stop being an alcoholic? Let's get you to Jesus, and Jesus will take care of everything else. I may not be able to get in on the front door, but Jesus will get in on the back door. We're arguing about the wrong stuff. Am I saying it's not sin? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the goal is not to get them to agree what is or isn't sin. I'm, getting, I'm saying we've got to get them to Jesus. That's the goal. Because I can't fix that. I can't fix them. But Jesus can. And if I can lead them to Jesus another route, who cares? Because when Jesus gets in there, their mind is going to be renewed. And they're going to go, you know, I think I was wrong in that whole other thing. Because they get the Word in them, and the Word gets in them, and the Holy Spirit begins to convict them of judgment, righteousness, and sin. It's the only thing, the only, the only person who can reveal the truth of sin is the Holy Spirit. I can't do it, but the Holy Spirit can, and He will work with us. So it's not about winning an intellectual argument. It's about winning people to Jesus. That's what it's all about. So tonight, I hope you can fill in some of these blanks. These are just generic terms. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You've got a hurt, hang, hang, habit, and hang-up in your life tonight. I know you do. We all do. And I hope tonight you realize, well, forget about everybody out there for a minute. I've got a problem. You know what? My real problem is this. It's right here. And I've been focusing out here. Yeah, I believe in the gospel, and, and I want Jesus to be Lord of my life, but, you know, I really haven't allowed that gospel to bring me into a true relationship, or I haven't allowed it to focus on the relationship. I'm not here to question your salvation. I'm here to question, are you looking at the gospel from the right perspective? It's not a residency program. It's the key to relationship. And then if, yeah, okay, I, you know, I, I want a relationship with you. I have a relationship with Jesus, but, man, I'm still dealing with this. My problems are still here. Are you on your meds? Are you in the Word every single day? Now, I'm not saying being legalistic. Well, I forgot I missed the day. I'm toast. I might as well give up. No, I'm not talking about that. 
I mean being consistent over time in order to see progress in your life. Would you stand with me? I just want to give us an opportunity tonight to respond. Because I believe the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and just what I just said a minute ago, is working with us tonight to reveal some things to all of us in order to bring us to Jesus. The whole goal is to get to Jesus. So where are you tonight? What problems are in your life? Have you forgotten that there's a whole spiritual side of life? Have you been trying to do it on your own? You've been allowed your, your own self-sufficiency to keep you from Jesus. I did that for years. I tried to do it on my own, and it kept me from Jesus. And then, are we willing tonight to put ourselves in a position to allow Jesus to transform our lives? That's the question that's in front of you. So I want you to take a minute with the Lord, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Because I just don't want to give you information. I want to give you an opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus. Because information is not going to do you any good. But Jesus will transform your life. Don't let pride keep you from Jesus. So take a minute and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you tonight what it is in your life that you need to let Jesus transform? What problems are you dealing with? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it resentment? Is it unforgiveness? Is it lies you believe about yourself that you're just not good enough? Nobody loves you. What is it? Are you willing to allow Jesus to transform that very thing tonight? Father, in Jesus' name, tonight we do surrender to you. Lord, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that is the power of God unto salvation, Lord. And Lord, it's not just salvation from hell, Lord. It's salvation that brings us to you. So Lord, tonight I thank you for the word of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the, for the truth of the word of God. Lord, that speaks life over us, that speaks hope over us, Lord, that speaks into the darkness of our situation and says Jesus has overcome. So, Lord, I thank you tonight, Lord, that in each and every person here that has surrendered to the gospel, Lord, that there is victory in their life. Lord, there is hope renewed. And Lord, despite of our circumstances, despite our problems, Lord, Jesus has brought victory. And Lord, I thank you that from this day forward, in each one of our lives, Lord, Lord, you will lead us. You will lead us on that straight and narrow path, Father, that brings hope, that brings transformation. And Lord, I thank you that your word over every single person in here tonight is peace. So Lord, I pray a blessing on each and every person here tonight. Lord, I pray that 
what you have begun tonight, Lord, you will bring to you the fulfillment of your promise. Your word says that your word will go forth and will accomplish everything you have prepared for it. And Lord, your word over us tonight, Lord, is victory. So I thank you that your promise in every single life tonight is to fulfill that victory of Jesus in every single area. And Lord, as we, as we look to others to bring this hope, Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom. And Lord, not just telling people about Jesus, but leading them to Jesus. So Lord, I pray that you would give every single person a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit goes ahead of us to prepare the way, stands beside us, Lord, to protect our way, and is our rear guard to make sure that you, Father, fulfill everything that you've, you've called forth. So tonight, Lord, we pray that Jesus would be glorified in every single life in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a hand.